Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of East Meets West on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat podcast and platform, one of the most consistent shows in ESSR in 2022. And how fitting is that some of the last content you'll be hearing here in ESSR in 2022 is our dulcet tones telling to you about all the wackiness that closed out New Japan Pro Wrestling towards the end of the year. I am one of your usual hosts, Scott McLeod, and I am joined today by the Takamichi Noku to my Tai Chi. Couldn't think of an example. I just asked <laughs> that one, so I did. They did a show together recently. Fuck it. It's Grant McRobbie. Hello, Grant. Hello there. And as, as Taichi said at the end of that card, a couple of bums to the end. <laughs> <laughs> the unofficial tagline of East Meets West, I believe that is. <laughs> Those two bums that will consistently put out content without being asked. Stephen Wilson, 2022. <laughs> <laughs> or as everyone else uh, describes this. On ESSR, those two bums who talk about Japanese wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, uh, it's the week of of Christmas. We're just days away from the end from Christmas. Are you excited, Greg? I am excited, but also very sad at the same time for some of the things that have happened recently in New Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we're getting to one of the most wonderful days of the year, so we have to... We have to get all the our frustration. We need an opportunity, a platform to vent, and you know, you can't go into Christmas angry. Just like to say, you can't go to bed angry. Never go into Christmas Day angry. So, we, <laughs> this is the platform to do such a thing. But first, we should remind you about the other platforms that you can find Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat at. And that's all the platforms you get your podcast, whether it be Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, anywhere. Please give us a like, rating, or review on your platform of choice, and make sure to follow us on our social media platforms. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok at Suplex Retweet. And you can join the Facebook Q&A page and get involved in the conversation over there. And we've got a lot to talk about here, Grant, and stuff that feels like it happened forever ago, but, you know, some delays in getting it up on, on New Japan World because we had historic crossover, or if you wanted to do it accurately, historic X crossover, because, you know, having a big X is still cool in Japan. You know, it's like having the word boys with a Z at the end. Proper edgelord material with that, na- <laughs> with that name, with a big big X. The cross. The cross. Who'd have thought, Gado, you fucking edgelord, you. <laughs> I mean, he's called Gado. He willingly calls himself Gado. Yeah, it's spelt G-E-D-O, not G-A-Y-D-O. <laughs> Hell of a show, I thought. You know, for somebody who doesn't really keep up with a lot of stardom, I still had a lot of fun. We got introduced to a lot of stardom means very quickly because we had a really fun pre-show where it had a stardom ramble with so many people being thrown at me. And, you know, Chris Charlton does his best, God bless him, to explain to you who everybody is. But some people remained in my brain, some didn't. And then we also had some New Japan representation on the pre-show. As the early dojo guys, I think it's fair to say, absolutely squashed the New Japan boys. Oh, yeah, that was a one-sided absolute scalping that. 
Oh, it's good old GR would say they took them boys to the woodshed. <laughs> they took the woodshed and they absolutely wrecked them. And it was a good warm up for since all the the LA boys were in the the two tag leagues. Yeah, I mean, I mean that alone should have told you that there was no chance the the Japan Dojo guys were going to win this one. Also, especially that the guys uh, on the Japan side are all still young lions, dressing the traditional. Young line gear, very limited moveset. Whereas all the guys on the on the LA side all like characters and everything. I mean, Kevin Knight developed his character more so in his attire as Junior Tag League went on. So he was the most young line looking on the LA side. But like, it's basically like guys who have graduated from young line, just you know, feeling like ah, this is what it feels like to be a proper superstar. Now we can be the ones beating the shit out of trainees rather than being the trainees who get beat up. That's it. It's like my my my, how the turntables. <laughs> and uh, basically, you imagine Shabab basically telling like, "You you better go out there. You better not get battered by the boys. You better be the one staying the bat. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll be I'll battled. be having words. <laughs> There'll be a fresh scalping waiting for all of you boys." The boy, like, yes, Mister Shabat, sir. Please, please don't, please don't batter us. Go back to the orange, the orange man with the glasses. Mm. Still can't believe that. <laughs> but, Something also very rare for, for New Japan. We got some really fun intergender matches, getting to see some of the people from New Japan interacting with the characters from Stardom. The very first one was uh, the team of Zack Sabre, Julia, taking on Judy, and Tsuvia Tom Lawler. Lawler and Sabre still continuing on their ever, ever going feud from the G1 about who's better, George Michael or Boy George. George Michael. No, yes. no questions. <laughs> <laughs> and for for Tom Lawler, so close to Christmas to disrespect the name of George Michael, I mean, it's just, it's just unthinkable. And Zach used the tickers. He did. Use the tickers. <laughs> but, uh, how did you enjoy seeing like a lot of the stardom uh, acts kind of mixing in with the New Japan guys? Who do you think had the better kind of chemistry? Because I don't know how much more than me you you follow of stardom. I, I, I would like to watch more stardom. It's just trying to find the time for it. I, I definitely feel when it came to the mixed tags, I, I, I just I think Zack Sabre Julia was just a fantastic pairing. They just worked on all all the levels. So mm-hmm. it, it, it was it was it was really nice. So it's a fantastic way to get people that I haven't seen this stuff into it. But also the I mean the eight person tag match as well with like. Mm. Having Suzuki Goon on either side of it was a fantastic one. A lot of people will be familiar with perhaps Tam Nakano and Starlight Kid, who mm. put on a fucking fantastic show in that match. Yeah, I think Starlight Kid was one I was most familiar because I believe she was involved in a tag match. I remember uh, one of the Dome shows that last year they had a special, some special Starlight matches on the pre-show of those shows. Yeah, Wazanabe uh, and Starlight Kid along with Desperado and Doki taking on Karamaru, Taishi, Tandakano and Natsupe. Natsupe. Natsupe, there you go. I was going to say, there's a 70 chance I fucked that up. But <laughs> it was just so fun, just how weirdly, how pure they, they, the team teaming with Taichi and Karamaru seemed, uh, despite the fact that one of the men that they're teaming with is nicknamed the Heel Master, and yet they got this very wholesome female tag team and then just it felt like my god this, ma- this match could tear Suzuki Goon apart because those boys were not holding back 
I love that when Suzuki Gun are at war with each other. There's there is no nothing friendly about it. It's like for the match, it's like I will scalp the living fuck out of you. Mm-hmm. We will be friends right. after this, but for now, I shall kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed that. I loved part of the reason this made probably reason this is one of my favorite matches. Just so much fun. It seemed like Kevin and Chris Charlton were having on commentary, and they just seemed to be enjoying themselves the entire night and. I heard Kevin Kelly basically saying, like, if Darren want to get to a bigger run to the needs of English commentary, he put himself and Chris Charlton forward uh, to do the commentary as well for for stardom. And, you know, I guess, like you, like, finding the time for certain companies that I know I should probably check out, like, stardom is a big factor, which stops me from watching it because it's try to find the time. But if there was a way I could watch it with Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton doing the commentary for it, I'd, I'd, I'd make the time. I'd force myself some time in my schedule to, to watch that. I, I think if they can find a way, especially when knowing that they're owned by the same company, I would love it if they were to just mix the two on demand. Even if they said, look, we're going to charge you like an extra two, three quid a month to get both promotions on the same on-demand service. Mm-hmm. Give me it. Give me it now. I'll <laughs> take it. Hook it. Hook it to my veins. Hook it to my veins. We also had a really fun 10-man tag on historic crossover of uh, Bushi, Hiromu, Sanada, Shingo and uh, Naito taking on uh, the Empire's Aussie Open, Akira, TJP and Gideon Gray. And what I loved about this is that I, I watched this because of how long it took to upload and I was trying to keep up with the, the two tag league tournaments. So when I, when I, on a day where there wasn't any tag league for me to watch, I watched this. And so by this point, I'd heard Kevin Kelly's opinion slowly but surely change on Gideon Gray. Like, you know what? As long as he stays out of the ring, he remains a ring announcer, then I'm happy with that. And then just watching this and just seeing it, hearing Kevin Kelly's opinion, just he's just shitting all over Gideon Gray. Like, he stinks. He, he's this great, this great sport. Like, and it was when, when Empire went, like, they basically had to win four on five. I love that. It's like, because like, he's got nothing but respect for like Aussie Open because technically Kevin Kelly is part of Schadenfreude and it's still one of the greatest unlikely friendships ever struck up. And it's like, yeah, gonna gonna support the rest of them. Fuck you, Gideon Grey. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny though, what, trying to watch Gideon Grey wrestle though. Just looking at him, I just look at him like a man who looks like a cross between Tony Harris from Alan Partridge and Matt Hancock. <laughs> Oh, that is a fucking image and a half that will never come out of my mind. <laughs> we don't know what else Matt Hancock was up to when he was meant to be following restrictions. Green Grey may be an arsehole at times, but he'd follow restrictions. It's like seeing Gideon like come into New Japan and actually wrestle in the ring, and I was like, fuck, I forgot he actually wrestles, because he always, he always just done like mouthpiece work in the UK for so long, especially like, for like Okan and stuff like that when he came over here mm-hmm. on the excursion. Yeah. All hail. All hail, of course. Warn him later. Uh, <laughs> he, yeah, it's funny because he, he does seem like such a character that it's weird to see him actually wrestling. There are quite a few characters like that. But it's also funny to see all of LIG teaming up to just put the boots to him at one point in this. And all of that, as great as uh, United Empire, as great as uh, LIG can be in like a big match situation, but when they're all together, you, you can do some really excellent comedy. There's a point where Kyle Fletcher is caught in the paradise lock and they break it up by 
by uh, Sonata tripping up Mark Davis and sending him face first into Kyle Fletcher's arse. And that's how he breaks out the paradise lock. Which is uh, one of the most unique ways I've ever seen that hold get broken. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. how will we do this? Will we kick him? No, no. I have a great idea. Watch this, lads. Watch this. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, Empire got the win of this match. Bushy was on the other side, so no prizes for guessing who took the pin in this one. <laughs> Poor Bushy. Still can't catch uh, a break. Uh, we had the Great Muta's final match as he took on the Great... As he, as he Okada, and Toriyano took on Great Okan, all hail. Uh, Jeff Cobb and Aaron Hanare. Like, of course, as much as we'd like to see it go one way, of course Mita won. Mita will not go out on his back for anyone. But I don't know if you have a fresher idea than me, but I honestly cannot remember Mita doing much of anything until the end of this match. Yeah, it was it was there. Yeah. I remember that. But mm-hmm. you know, there was nothing great about him. It's just mm-hmm. Although, I'm really fucking annoyed that they go with the Great Muta's final New Japan match, and then they've done something else in the back of it, and it's just a sheer fucking technicality that they're recognising two different people who are actually the same fucking person. I know, I know, it is absolutely absurd. Although, it was great to see him him and Okan actually get to mix it up at one point. I remember finding myself towards the end thinking, is he going to hit the final move? And I'm wondering, other than the mist, what's his actual finisher? Right now, because I know he can't do the moonsault anymore because his knees are fucked. So, like, what's his actual finishing? Okan thought he had the answer. He's going to use the green mist back at him. Unfortunately, it hits poor Jeff Cobb in the face, and that's why we've never seen it. That's why we've not seen him since. But then, everybody knows that the green mist may be deadly. The red mist is much deadlier. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a whole colour chart. Going from the top being the deadliest down to the bottom, so green's somewhere in the middle, red's just above it. Uh, uh, so the red myth to Okan, Rainmaker and Rainmaker on Hanari, the good guys win, yay. <laughs> no, actually, oh, there you go. He, he did hit a finish move technically, he hit, he hit a shining wizard, so his knees are too fucked for him in salt, but he can hit a shining wizard, kind of. I think that's he can actually use his knee as part of a move because <laughs> that makes He's sense. Got, He's got one good knee, the other one hanging by a thread. Just insinuate oh, yeah. away from snapping off. <laughs> it's gonna be a point because he's got obviously those matches at the start of twenty three field, you know, the match with uh the matches in Noah with Nakamura and the thing with Team We Sting and Darby. This could be a moment you hear us pop say like, What was that? I think that was one of Muta's knees. <laughs> And at that point, we knew it was game over. Yes. At that point, if he wasn't retiring, he, before he was now. <laughs> uh, there's got to be some big fans of Great Moot out there who are probably annoyed of it, us not taking him seriously, but, you know, fuck him, right? Because in his old age, he's become a bit of a prick if he heard even basically politicking his match at Rest Kingdom 16-93, a match that he didn't even win. I know, that was the most fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Most ridiculous thing. I'm like, what the fuck? I know, he's taking all this shit to make himself look, not look weak during the match, but like, you're losing. If you have any, if you if you're, you want to use any sway, try and big yourself to win, otherwise shut the fuck up. 
It's like, yeah. just go out on your back like you're fucking meant to, old man. I know. You know he's not going to lose that final match between teams with Sting and Darby, but you'll let Darby get the pin in the match, and that'll be his, his contribution to the younger generation. And I, for one, I'm not thanking him for it. Yeah. Anyway, on to another match. Speaking of matches where the, the result was never in doubt, but it was still a, a solid match, 23 and a half minutes, it went as well. Shota Umino, the roughneck, going up against uh, Will Ospreay. And one hell of a match, the fourth defence for Will Ospreay. I think it might be, I think he actually may be coming up on a record at this point. I think like he's almost close to like John Moxley, who has the most. And so I think if he gets past Wrestle Kingdom, he'll tie Moxley, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't fully looked it up. Yeah, I'll need to double check that. That's actually a good point because like, I don't think the US title has ever made it really that much further in regards to defences. Yeah, and I think... Sorry, I'm, I'm, I was kind of in my head there. So when he won it in 2020, he retained it over Juice the very next day they won it. Suzuki, Kenta, Nagata, Anderson... And then lost it to Archer. So he has five. So yeah, if Osprey gets past Wrestle Kingdom, gets, as he ties it with most defences. And if he can get another one after that, then he will officially have the most defences of the IWGP US title. And do it in, I know the pandemic was involved in that, but you're doing a fraction of the play of time it took Moxley to do it. Uh, and that's the thing. Like, oh, oh, like The only other person that's had close to that is, well, he's, he's, he's now tied with Omega for second mm-hmm. on defences. But more yeah. on that later. Yes, yes, how very fitting that is. But uh, what do you think of this match? I know there was a history going into it, and with the sudden stoppage at uh, Royal Quest, you had Red Shoes shoot his dad being the referee. But I show all like call it a historic crossover. You didn't think there'd be much changes on the New Japan side because I think the main event of the show has been built around this new women's title being crowned. So I don't think anybody could see. I don't think anyone foresaw. Uh, Osprey not going in a Wrestle Kingdom as a champion, but how do you think this match played out uh, for sure? Kind of as a first, seemingly he's got this new character, so I'm assuming he'll be back more on a full time basis in New Japan. So he's first kind of out and is this roughneck. What did you think of it? Honestly, I thought it looked a star. Um, I think it's New Japan doing what they quite often do with some of their bigger acts nowadays, where they come in, they have a big, big title match, they don't come out successful in the end of it, but it lets you know what the intention is because I mean, remember Jay White came in, went straight for the Intercontinental, fucked it royally, and now look at him. <laughs> now he is the top guy. So absolutely, I, I think Shooter just he's he looked he looked at he looked a million bucks, and I'm very very excited to see what's going to be next for him in the the near future because I can I can only see the the only way being up for here from here for him. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Not fully got rid of the uh, the connection to Moxley though when he was sure because he did hit a, a rough rider once or twice for a really close near fall at one point during this and Chris Young had a belter of a line on commentary which made me think maybe give us an insight into what his future will be kind of booking wise as we build him up and that obviously he's lost several times in Red Pro to to Osprey you know challenge for the British heavyweight title lost. Had the match at World Quest, and I lost here the idea of like maybe he will be to Osprey like what Okada is to Osprey, like that guy he can't, that one guy he's struggling every time to beat, but gets closer and closer every time. And Osprey still, you beat Okada, but maybe one day he will. 
and maybe one day on a big stage, Shota will get that win over Osprey. That's. I think it's gonna. It's gonna lead there. That it's gonna be that down the road sort of thing. Like he's gonna. He's gonna be put on a full journey to get there, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's. I'm. I'm, I'm going to call an early prediction now. Uh, the Dome 2024. That's when Shooter will finally get his win over Osprey. Nice. I like it. I like it. Uh, there is a moment where they do tease like the the elbows by Osprey, and maybe Reggie has to call off and like. Sure, grabs his dad's leg, which I know is meant to be like, no, don't stop the match. But Ridley, from at a certain angle, you could say like, Dad, please don't don't let him hurt me anymore. Daddy, Daddy, please, please make it stop. Daddy, the Englishman's being mean to me. <laughs> Daddy, uh, William's being a bastard. <laughs> oh, that's just William. But I do love. Uh, that there was a really close near fall off. We did have given him a lot to beat him. He did look annoyed that he had to use that much, like the fucking front facing hidden blade, which is looks even worse than like to get to the back of the head. But he kicks it. He gets the stormbreaker in the end. It does seem to be like he keeps the stormbreaker at bay for now, but it does seem like nowadays when he hits the stormbreaker, it's a case of this is the only th- other thing that I'll do now. So it's kind of like uh, Shingo and his. Uh, Give a like a less frequent version of like Shingo's uh, Last of the Dragon. Like, okay, if nothing else works. This will have to do. Uh, it, it, like it's it's very good. The hidden blade. I'm still, I still get uncomfortable every time I fucking see it, especially the front facing one. I'm like one mm. wrong move, and that is a, a bro. That is another broken orbital. Like Sanat. Well, Sanada's wasn't from the hidden blade. That was from the fucking knee to the face on the, the standing, fucking like star press or whatever but you know every time I see the hidden blade I'm just like no 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 yeah yeah okay uh it's gonna be very interesting when he first teases that hidden blade and he's upcoming rest kingdom match because as soon as the match is over lights go out who appears on the screen speaking in Japanese as well Kenny Omega we all had theories because they had Osprey speaking out about Omega t- calling him an arsehole and saying that basically he was keeping him from appearing in AEW. And Osprey was faced off with him in the trios tournament. There was rumours that there was a backstage meeting where basically he was referencing Osprey but saying like, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hire Kenny Omega said to the AEW roster, I wouldn't hire like 80% of you. But supposedly was jokingly saying that towards Osprey. Uh, so there's real life tension here. Uh, so Omega basically says like, Oh yeah, well, Osprey was meant to be my successor, but this place is much worse off without me. So I'm coming back to save this company, and I'm going to do it against Will Osprey for the US title at at Wrestle Kingdom. And uh, you know, was, I don't know in this past we've said some mean things about Will Osprey because of the person he can be in real life. But you know, sometimes you can separate the real life person from the the wrestler as a wrestler he puts on some banging performances. So believe me when I say this that for this one time. Willie, please cave his fucking head in. This is this is a dream match. Well, mm. I, th- I, I, don't, I don't even remember if these two have actually faced in singles competition before, or I think it's possibly once, like a long, 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 long time ago. It's, yeah. It is going to be fucking nuts. 
and it's actually in danger of overshadowing the fucking main event at Wrestle Kingdom. That's how big it is. Oh, yeah. And it's weird that Omega's back in this position because there's a big explosion of popularity for New Japan in America and like Western audiences because Chris Jericho came to challenge Omega for the US title at Wrestle Kingdom in a double main event, which almost overshadowed the actual main event. And what's happening here now, Omega's, you know, you know, he either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become Chris Jericho. And now he's back <laughs> in that position. And much like that Wrestle Kingdom where he fought Jericho, this is being billed as a double main event. And uh, but you can obviously see why, because for the pure uh, New Japan like wrestling fans and fans like AEW, he's like two of the biggest like names in Japan and for like Western names in Japan kind of facing off. So and I think if they have face off, which I don't know, like you said, if they have in a singles match, he wouldn't have fought Osprey like the version that is right now. He still probably would have been in the junior division back then. So like this is like proper main event. Will Osprey, you know, guy who's been putting out, you know, as Seamus would say, banger after banger after banger, getting like he's taking like in fucking five star matches like they're going out of fashion. Like to the point that he's actually overtaken Okada for them, uh, which I'm sure Stephen Wilson will be jizzing his frillies about. <laughs> You're like, I remember actually I didn't watch this live as I already mentioned, but because of the time difference, if something big happens in Japan, often when you wake up the next day, you can if you go online, you can hear people talking about it. So one of the things being shared around by everyone that when I woke up that Sunday was just people mentioning Kenny Omega that like no no very few people were mentioning Kenny, so I think it may have slightly overshadowed her. But this announcement was the big thing coming out of the show, like, Kenny Omega's back, Kenny Omega versus Osprey at the Dome. Right, that's just absolutely, like, I could not believe it. I was like, what? I never thought, because when Omega left, they made it sound like things weren't quite on good terms. Mm. So I never thought we'd see Omega back, even though AEW and New Japan were working together at points, there was just something I was like, I still don't think we're going to get Omega at the Dome. Not again. I think that's yeah. that's done. And then they've done this, and I was like, oh, I was so fucking wrong, and I could not be happier. Because they did the worst tease that there would be some AEW involvement at the upcoming Tokyo Dome. And so I was like, well, who's it going to be? Is it going to be somebody who's got a light to New Japan who's not doing anything in AEW, like a Lance Archer they're talking about? Or they're talking about somebody on the bigger scale? And basically, they've got you the biggest AEW laid name to, that you could send to Japan, which is Kenny Omega. So that's a major name for the for the dome. And I do think this is a match that a lot of people will tune in to and exclusively to see. And it, a lot of people are still hesitant about tuning back in in Japan because of the, the difficult couple of years they've had because of the pandemic. So I do think, much like how the Jericho match with Omega did a great business for them, this is a match that New Japan needs right now to help drive the interest back. Yeah, that's silly. If there's if you're good, if you want to bring people back. This is how you do it. You give them the dream match. You, and it's it was, it's been said by people like you know this match won't that, but you need it in a noisy venue, and mm. this should be proper. They may go fuck the rules. We're going to make all the noise. Yeah, I think they've they've, they've announced that they're going to do like return to full time to noise, but it's not going to be until after after Wrestle Kingdom, which is a shame. I think the plan currently is like new beginning in Osaka to kind of know like it is a new beginning we're back to old noise but you know like you said there's going to be a spot in that match where they're going to make a noise like a whole stadium is going to break 
a whole Tokyo Dome is going to break the rules just for one moment. Oh, yeah, I can I can imagine that there is going to be like cause I, I, I've, I've read kind of like the ins and outs of it, and it seems to be like there's there's going to be like a very small socially distanced section which allows kind of more extended noise, and the rest of it's going to be like restricted to. Oh yeah, you can you can do like a count along with the ref and that you can do like little ten to twenty second things. It's like these people are going to absolutely rip the arse out of it. I can tell it. Oh yeah, yeah, these people are going to take advantage of it, and rightfully so. <laughs> but we're, we're going to have a lot to talk about with that match uh, in a later episode when we look ahead at the rest of Kingdom card. But let's go to the main event and give that its due of historic crossover, the crowning of the first ever IWGP Women's Championship. Because like most of this took place in Japan, where I didn't see it, because I knew there was an international bracket, but I thought there'd be more, that it'd be more accessible. But no, I saw one match at Royal Quest, and all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, Mayu Utani versus Kairi at the Dome. That's the final. Like, really? Like, if I didn't watch that one Royal Quest match, I would have thought this tournament was fictitious, like the one that Pat Patterson allegedly won to become <laughs> the Intercontinental Champion. <laughs> but yeah, the commentary did a really good job with like explaining the history between these two, like. Carrie leaving, you know, with Tanika staying, helping to be one of the big figureheads of stardom. And, you know, if anybody out there wanted to figure out why people like Meltzer for years have been, you know, really championing Japanese women's wrestling, I think a match like this is a match to watch to see just why, because this was 25 and a half minutes of just sheer, just doesn't matter that they're both women, they just went out there and just battered each other. This, to me, was a match that shows why both these women are regarded as among the best, not just women's wrestlers, but wrestlers in general. Iwatani is one of my fucking favourites when it comes to women's mm-hmm. wrestling, and I always loved Kyrie. I felt we never got quite the full package of Kyrie in the WWE. Mm-hmm. Like This is what she can really do. And it was 25 and a half minutes of just fucking absolute stunning wrestling. Mm-hmm. It was proper dramatic. It, you got really fucking invested in it. There was near falls. There was some brutal moves getting thrown out, and you're like, "Yeah, this is nuts!" Like they're they're outperforming a ton of what the guys could do. Mm. Yeah, and there was some like scary near falls. Like guy had to kick out of, like she left it so last minute to get that shoulder out and did it like like to show that she was so exhausted that there was also a moment where like you wondered did the ref fuck up? It was so close. And you get like she's getting suplex, multiple like suplexes onto her head. It's like I think she took a tombstone at one point. It made me start to worry for because like I believe there was like rumors of her having some really bad injuries when she left WWE. But I still I still maintain she over exaggerated how badly she was hurt just to get a WWE in a case of like please don't put me in the ring with Nia Jax again, please. I mean, let's face it. If someone said to you you're going in the ring with Nia Jax, how bad would you fake an injury? I would fake that I was on my deathbed. Yes. I'd, I'd be like, what's it? Oh, my knee. My knee. Because, <laughs> like, like, they, they, they just kept putting her in the ring with Nia Jax so many times in a short space of time. Just like, and every time something went wrong, like, lads, like, doing the same thing multiple times, expecting something different to happen is the definition of insanity. Please, for this poor woman's sake, stop putting her in the ring with Nia Jax. It's like, please, no, not Nia Jax. It's like, I, I would even go as far as doing the, the old uh, Jack and Victor in the post office. Like, <laughs> oh, my heart. Oh, I can <laughs> see the light. <laughs> uh, but there were some insane, insane spots, as you mentioned, at this batch. Like, 
yeah, carried Diamond outside. They had a little brawl up on the ramp and everything. <laughs> but Cardi, in the end, was the victor with the insane elbow. Really, really deserved. You could see, I think she injured her arm at one point. She was struggling to hold, hold it up at one point. And during the celebration, she was crying. Uh, the belt looks amazing. Like, really much a throwback to the old IWGP you know, belts. But uh, she didn't get much time because... Uh, she had a rather unique post-match exchange with uh, Tam Nakano. I know that was a, a bit a bit odd. Yeah, yeah. Like even with Chris Charlton kind of translating it on the English content, I'm still like, what, 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 what's happening here? It's like, what? This is the first women's champion. Can we just can we just enjoy the celebration? What is this? What is this? <laughs> what is going on? I do not understand. <laughs> So uh, it's being made official because they already announced that whoever won it, their first defense of the title would be against, would be at the Wrestle, at Wrestle Kingdom because Starring does have final say over who, where the where the title is defended and who it's defended against. And so, even though it's going to be under the IWGP banner, so it will be defended at New Japan shows. It says it's going to be a presence on New Japan Strong, which I'm looking forward to, and also at Stardom shows as well. So. I don't think we'll see it in New Japan, in Japan, unless it's a major event like your Wrestle Kingdoms, your Dominions, but we've got the first match announced, but uh, supposedly someone else is showing up at Wrestle Kingdom to uh, potentially be a challenger to Sikari, aren't they? Yes, this... I, I've heard a bit more on the back of this, and apparently the rumours are that it's it's going to happen, but the match itself won't be till April I think it's, that's a good idea. Like, hold off on that match as much as possible because as much as you want to build the anticipation by having her show up at WrestleMania, we're talking about Sasha Banks, by the way, or Mercedes it's Monet. It's boss time! Or Mercedes Monet, she's allegedly trademarked the name for. Uh, she, I don't know what, what it's boss time is in Japanese, but it's that, whatever that is. And so, but like, of course, the end, you want to show up, or show up at Wrestle Kingdom to cause as much buzz as possible, get everyone talking about it, but do hold off on the match because if you're paying her the money that's allegedly they are paying her per appearance and it's going to be a multi-appearance deal, you want to have her hold the bell at some point, but you also don't want to kind of immediately sweep Kai to the side as the first ever women's champion. I didn't want to be proper Andy. I don't want to play with you anymore. <laughs> as he drops Woody. <laughs> Just somebody pops up in the back with Carrie's uh hat. Hi, I'm Car I'm Curry. Howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are you doing up here, Kai? What are you doing up here, Carrie? I broke my squeaker. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but like again, they mentioned the idea of like the presence in the US, like New Japan Strong. So putting it on somebody who's recognizable in the US is a uh, Sasha Banks. I'm not saying that people in the US don't remember Kai, but I think someone like Sasha or Mercedes, whatever call wherever you want, might be a solid name to make draw quite a few people for like a big US show with that title being defended. There's even rumours that she'll have a big impact in Japan because but allegedly she might appear at Red Kingdom, but also there are people rumouring that oh yeah, January eleventh she's gonna be uh Soraya's big tag team partner for that tag match against Jamie Hater and Brett Baker. Because you know Tony Khan 
she's just too shitty of a new toy for him not to try and get in. That's it. T- Tony Khan's got to have more in his collection of toys and that. It's like, for fuck's sake, Tony, play with what you've got. Play with what you've got. <laughs> It's like a spoiled kid at Christmas who gives a list of all those things. They were like, you barely play with the toys you've got. It took him fucking long enough to start playing properly with the House of Black, and he better not fuck that up either, I swear to God. <laughs> I that's, a different, that's a different rant altogether. <laughs> I saw a theory uh, there that they might, Victoria might wait till she's won the IWGP Women's title so he can then bring her in. He doesn't have to sign her, but he can bring her in as a forbidden door you know, appearance just to justify bringing her in and not having to not having to sign her and and further overblow his roster. Oh, 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 Tony, you clever shite bag. What a way to see, what a way to get it at a budget pricey, eh? you absolute widow. The greatest weapon in a promoter's arsenal, the loophole. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So it was all that excitement around uh historic crossover and going any rescue, but first we had to get through Super Junior Tag League and World Tag League. And I think you and I were on a similar wavelength in that I think we both enjoyed Super Junior Tag League a little bit more than World Tag League. Yes, um, Super Junior Tag League was definitely the better one this year for me. World Tag League could have been better if they were allowed to have the champions there for it, but they didn't. Fuck you, Tony. Yeah, that's a whole other thing because, like, again, I ranted before on here and on Central about how it seemed like they were building to like a thing for Ring of Honor with the Ass Boys and FTR, and like you sacrifice ten potential match of the year candidates. Yes, I even could House of Torture in there because if anyone could drag those two to a decent match, it's FTR. Uh, you have instead to do a few with the Ass Boys, but no. The ass boys, like fucking idiots, decide, ah, we, there's three belts we could take for them, but we don't want a carry three belts. So, look, by the way, we're booking you in a third match with the Briscoes in a double dog collar match at Final Battle, which I've heard is very bloody, blood, which I've heard is very bloody and very good. I've not had a chance to watch it yet, but basically Tony Khan, for his first three pay-per-views as the owner of Ring of Honor, has booked the same match for his tag team titles. And this one, he booked the week off, so clearly he forgot about the tag titles and thought, uh, fuck it, let's do Briscoes again. You've done it again. Okay, then let's have the Briscoes win this time. <laughs> and so they let another tag team take their spot. The Briscoes win, so now they're 13-time to a tag champs. And now Dex apparently hurt his arse bone in that match, legitimately. And then they've got a match for next week on Dynam- for this week on Dynamite with the ass boys with none of their titles on the line so what titles exactly are the ass boys after at this point because I feel like FTR are probably going to lose the titles at Wrestle Kingdom the idea with GP once that is so and, and so they've also past- got the AAA titles getting defended between Christmas and New Year as well so if they end up losing those the ass boys have got nothing to fight for like a couple of fucking idiots I know like what what is the ass boys angle here? What is what is the angle? And by the way, yes, the double dog collar match is fucking outstanding. It is a masterpiece of tag team wrestling and it's absolutely brutal watching. I now can understand why someone can have a bruise like that on their ass cheek. <laughs> but yeah, was this? I remember thinking like, because like the only belt left, provided they don't lose at Triple A, but they may have to because they've held those those uh, Triple A belts since I believe 
October or September or October of 2021. Uh, they've held those AAA belts, but they've kind of fallen in the background to their other belts. So, it's like, was this all a roundabout way just to get the AAA titles? Because, if anything, you could have just challenged them to a fucking match. No one really cares in America. It seems like when they're booking FDR about the AAA belts. Because I remember uh, mistakenly thinking it said IWGP AAA tag title match, when, just, when really I was just reading it saying above FDR name that they were the IWGP and AAA tag champions. So we're thinking like, please don't make us think that they would lose the IWGP belts to the ass boys. That's not a universe I want to live in. <laughs> just get me off this planet. <laughs> yeah, but still, I, don't, I still don't think the dog kind of match was worth buddy then. Not being a World Tag League, they definitely needed them a World Tag League. But I think what helped Super Junior Tag League is because is the the idea of like the freshness of this tournament because this is the first time since twenty nineteen that they've been able to do it like properly. And they had a lot of solid names in this. And we're gonna talk about the finalists for both tournaments and the finals and go into everybody else, but uh the two finalists ended up being uh, Leo Rush and Yo and Ace Bay, as I call them. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Chris Bay and Ace Austin. And honestly, like, it could have went either way, and I really wanted Ace Bay to win this tournament, but I'm not disappointed that it ended up going to, to Leo and, and Yo. Yeah, I, w- I was. I think this is the one where we both kind of wanted different winners, but either way. We were winners regardless because mm-hmm. the, fin- the finals match between these two teams was brilliant. Um, Yo has came on leaps and bounds with Leo Rush as a partner. He actually looked interesting for the first time in fucking years. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that those those, those finalists, like Ace Austin and Crispy, it's hard to look past them. They're a fucking brilliant team. It is mm-hmm. an absolute... They're a standout part of Bullet Club and it's like one of those things you actually forget that they're in Bullet Club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even though they kind of came out to an alternate version of Bullet Club's theme song, but then whenever they won a match, whoever got the pin, it's their theme song that played. So they had different outro songs that they did when they came out, uh, which is funny. But then like, they were just like one of the more fluid teams in the tournament. Like it took them five matches before they lost one, and the first match they lost was to Bloody Leo and <laughs> Leo and Yo. And it was like so close to spell in that match. They got a win over Buddy Titan and Bushy to start off the tournament, which was a big statement. You knew these guys were going to go far. I do love they were so cocky of them and so sure of themselves that when they finally got their first loss to Yo and Leo, you had Chris Bacon on with having a crisis. Of like, we, we, we were undefeated. We, have, we, were, we were undefeated. And Ace Austin's having to like, help stop him from having a breakdown. <laughs> You could just see like the gears turning. It's like no, 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 no. What was interesting is like they got off the hot start, but like it's a kind of contrast between the two teams where it seemed like it took a couple of matches for Leo and Joe to kind of find a footing because like they lose to Catch Two Two on the first night, and like their 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 tandem like roll rolling like moves they seem to do in the corner. It's still, it looked like in that match we catch the two, they tried it for the very first time <coughs> and they very much fucked it up. Oh, so, yes, much so, the commentators have, so much so the commentators keep commenting on how much they've improved it every time they've done it since. 
it was a total botch the first time. It was like, oh yeah, that 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 wasn't meant to happen, was it? That's that's going to botch mania. <laughs> oh, you you, you, boy, you you tried, pat on the head. You tried, you tried your best. I mean, most teams would be like, nah, fuck it, I didn't know what the first time, we're not doing it again. They're like, no, no, we'll do this. We will make it stick. <laughs> you do. You did watch them that first time. Like, you really could have had a few more attempts before you you tried it in front of a crowd. Kind of practice it just a little bit more. So the whole time I looked at it, I was like, I was like, this looks so fucking awkward. How is this going to work? And then it got better and better. I was like, ah, oh, now it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think both teams both came out on 14 points in the end uh, with only two losses each uh, Leo and Yo lost to the champions I can't remember the other team they lost to but Crispy and Ace lost to Leo and Yo and randomly El Lindemann and Alex Zane for some reason I can only assume there was that connection still between Zane and Austin but it seemed weird uh and I did like the fact that there were four teams going into this tournament that it could it could have went through the final and it came down to those four. Catch 2-2 two, two versus Ace and Bay on, on one match in the fin- on the final night of junior block action. And uh, Leo Rush and Yo versus Boucher and Titan because even though they lost, part of me still thought Titan and Boucher were going to go to the final. <laughs> No, I, I can, I can, I now see why why we actually kind of blocked the the other rush and you loss out of memory, and it was because it was an eighteen second match with oh, the House of Bobags. I forgot about that. Oh yeah, because it was bell eighteen r- seconds. I know, and not the fun eighteen seconds like the Daniel Bryan and uh, and Sheamus match, but like yeah, basically the bell rang, hooked him up for a pile driver one two three, and just the apathy and and Kevin Kelly's voice. It's just a new well of low, like, like it's like it was a new level of your parents saying they're not angry, they're just disappointed. Because that seemed like how. <laughs> well, you see, it wasn't the good eighteen seconds like Daniel Bryan and Sheamus. No, it was the bad eighteen seconds, like the eighteen seconds it took for Hockney to get the scores all fucking wrong at the weekend on Saturday Draft Live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched my hands. People just giving it a go at him, and the the chat. I was like. I'm just I'm just backing out here because I got accused of getting it wrong when I didn't make a mistake when I had to fill in for AEW one week and so since then I've just avoided doing the scores ever again. It's like nope, I am not doing this. But thankfully, your brother doesn't have a life. He keeps us yeah. right by giving us the full fucking recap. He, he lives he lives in the middle of nowhere and has a weird sleeping pattern, so he's able to stay up late and watch. Plus, he's winning for the first time in a few quite a few seasons, so he's got an investment. Clearly, too much time in his hands and not enough wanking. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to have you got to find something to do between the wanking. You can't just wank non-stop. <laughs> I don't know. Have you checked in with Jack Graham? Neither. <laughs> anymore, anymore, his arm's going to fall off. He's going to he's going to be like the Winter Soldier. It's going to be like fucking Quagmire coming out if he's discovered the internet. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is that it's that little dark corner of USSR that no, few people dare to go to. That's what East Meets West is, and by most people I mean most of the panel because we could get away with saying whatever the fuck we like on this show. I know. I think the only person that ever properly listens to this in, in the panel is is the goat. <laughs> Mainly just see if this is one of the few shows that ever mentions doesn't mention them, and rarely we do, but we just fucking mention them there. So there you go, David. You're so welcome. 
just a mere mention of his name just gave him a semi. That's it. We want our royalties in the post now for that. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I forgot about that because I remember across uh, both tournaments, like the House of Torches just kept losing no matter how much bollocks they tried to put in their match, how much, like it took four of them to try and like get involved, help one of the one team win a match, and they kept they still kept fucking it up until and what Kevin Kelly just kept going about. God, these guys are just trash. Like JY, how can you be okay with these guys representing Bullet Club? Absolute fucking madness. <laughs> yeah, and I think like Show and uh, Dick Togo only ever actually won one other match in the tournament. I uh, can't remember who it was against. It may have even been Kushida and Kevin Knight. It might have been. Don't don't take it from me. But bloody evil and neutral didn't fare much better. But Ace and uh, Chris Bay basically cemented themselves in the final by beating the champions on the final night, which was no mean feat. Because I think the only other team to beat the champions might have been Titan and Bushy, which is what kept them in, uh, in contention, despite losing a match. For the titles going into the tournament, but it was one hell of a match, and I think you and I were even talking about it afterwards that I kind of wish they closed the World Tag League final with uh, Leo and Yo versus Chris Bay and East Austin because it uh, would have been a more satisfying result than the World Tag League final. Don't even not. We're gonna talk about it. We have to talk about the fucking elephant in the room. Fucking Bishamon. <laughs> Two years in a row. This is Gado at his fucking finest lately. Oh, Okada's going to win the G1 two years in a row, so I may as well let fucking Bishamon win it two years, Lord Tagli two years in a row, because we're too fucking afraid to try something new or give the people, God forbid, what they fucking want with FTR vs Aussie Open 2, which was a fucking outstanding match. Why, Gado? Why do you hate us when we show you nothing but love? <laughs> uh, I, I know, it's just... Oh. Like I remember like being so confident going into it, like maybe I should have been more nervous when the way that Buddy Gideon Gray once again was nearly risking losing his voice completely by just shouting from the rooftops the accomplishments of Aussie Open how certain he was that they were gonna win this tournament. Cause like you talk about the route to get here, Aussie Open like finished like one of the most dominant teams in the entire like World Tag League. Like it took ages for them. To finally have their first loss. I think that was over Naito and Sonada. And to the point where I legit thought it was going to be Naito and Sonada versus Aussie Open in the final. With Aussie Open winning to get their win back over the one of the only teams that beat them. But no, as I, as I predicted in our little preview a, few month, a month or so ago, they had to play spoiler with LA House of Bob Eggs beating LIG on the final night. So there was a further kick in the balls. But <laughs> Aussie Open finished on like 14 points. So much like the teams in World and uh, Super Junior Tag League, they were very dominant other than two matches. Also, the final night of block action, they fucking didn't need to wrestle a proper match because Chase and Fally had to forfeit the rest of the tournament because Chase had to go back to the US for family issues. So basically everybody was given two points automatically. So they basically got to sit, come out, beat up some young boys and sit back and watch the rest of the tournament on the final night. <laughs> I mean, it's... It's it's a shame like the way it came down for that final because I was so hoping they would have maybe taken a wee gamble and like like you know Naito and Snada or like the Holy Seaman Army which is Hanari and Okan all hail. But it was it was very odd like the like the sudden like the sudden forfeit out of nowhere that that Chase Owens and Bad Luck Valley had to kind of give up. But at the same time, 
Am I really complaining that I, d- that I didn't have to watch more of their matches? Nah, not really. Yeah. I do like that, that Fowler just stuck around just so he could be up there on the Lions for the rest of the tour. You know, it's easy money where you can get it. Because I like to do in this section when we do tournaments to talk about the two pers- people who end up in the finals, how their road to the t- final and then the match itself. But, like, honestly, out of all the teams that could have been, I don't. I think out of all the few teams that could possibly face Aussie Open, because obviously I raced to Aussie Open versus, and the rest of the tournaments decide who faces Aussie Open, because it was such a lot that Aussie Open were going to the final. But, legit, out of all the teams that could possibly have been to face them, I legit don't remember much of anything Bishwan did. I think Bishwan had the most unremarkable World Tag League run of any of the favourite teams to be in the final. Legit, can't remember a single fucking thing they did, other than the fact that uh, they're both dressing like somewhat like samurai now because they've got their weird chest plate things. I, that's it. There was nothing at all special about their run in any shape or form, and I just... I can't get my head a fucking round it. But like Fletcher and Davis were just pulling out match after match after match. And even when you listen to accolades, like I mean I think it was mentioned in commentary like Fletcher and Davis can bet like as a team had over two hundred matches under their belt. Bishamon only had sixty five. Bishamon's been tag t- tag title holders in one promotion. Fletcher and Davis across nineteen. How the fuck does that make any sense? I know. And I think also you add on the fact that as the open team, like all over the world, not just Japan, like Bishamon, like the closest to Bishamon have had really ten international matches, beating the factory at Forbindor on the fucking pre-show. That's the closest they've had to an international impact, like in terms of wins. I think it's also the same to uh, for like well, Austria, why he's got so many more five-star matches because he travels the fucking world, doesn't just do it. In Japan, like Okada, he goes everywhere and puts on that level of a match. And just and and then Kevin Kelly, I know this is his opinion, but like you were talking about how the uh, PWI tag teams had just come out. I think uh, it was Usos number one, FTR number two, and either either order of those two could have been the right decision. But I was fine with Usos being number one. But like. He was like, oh, my, in my, my opinion, the top three tag teams in the world are number one, Aussie Open, number two, FTR, number three, Bisham One. Like, they're good as a team. I mean, it's given, like, something for Yoshashi to finally do improve himself, both first as a trio now as part of a tag team. And you know what? They had a hell of a story in last year's World Tag League, and they deserved to win it, and they deserved to win the tag titles over Dangerous Tickers last time. But And I'm glad that this team basically keeps keep, uh, Goto on TV because I hate it when Goto's kind of moved to the background. But, like, legit, this is, like, the polar opposite of last year. Like, I don't even, as good as a team they are, I don't think you should put them in the same conversation as FTR or Aussie Open. Yeah, that's, like, when it comes to, like, I, th- I think you've got to bang in the money there with the tag teams. Like, um, PWI one, it's always going to be up for debate. Usos weren't number one in the world to me because they only done it in one promotion. Aussie Open ran the world. FTR ran the world. But I would definitely say like those three teams combined, that is a definite top three anywhere you put them. Imagine if whatever if got yeah. a forbidden door which allowed all three of them to fight each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that's a thought. I think, oh. the, I think the thing with the use so is like it's the same it's the one of the criteria is like impact or like level of opponents and Kehuva Kowish, but it's like you can't exactly argue with a team that was basically tied chips in one way or another 
for the entire calendar year. Like they've been SmackDown tag champs all year, and then midway through the year they added the Raw belts and a bit undisputed <laughs> tag team champions, and like and the DUI like, championships. Let's say about that the better. <laughs> so I can see the point there, but yeah, and then I think it was like uh, TMDK that they eventually beat the the Bishop to fight Aussie Open, and you know. I would even take an TMDK over Beast One to fight them in the final because, like, you know, TMDK had a weird, out of nowhere, great second leg of that tournament where they just randomly started winning. Like, they beat bloody Naito and Sanada out of nowhere. They got a sneaky roll up when Suzuki tried to choke out Shane Haste over, like, he turned into a roll up and they beat Suzuki Gun. Like, they just suddenly came out of nowhere on that one. Uh, that's, like, there's so many teams in the in this World Tag League that kind of got like under underappreciated, and Haste and Nichols were like it's it's like people forget how great a fucking team they were back in NXT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even in NXT, they, they, I think we only saw like the bare like, surface of what they could do as a team because their highlight was like 2016. Oh, one of them jumped off that weird shark cage thing. Anything? <laughs> can anyone really tell you what else they did other than one of them getting injured for ages after that, and then? He leaves, and the other one goes on to sadly be slapjack for a while. But, you know, we've all been through a phase. That's it. We, we all have. We've all had a phase. It happens. <laughs> but, like, when it got to this match, like, it'd been a solid, like, show. I thought the, uh, the World Tag League final, like, some decent undercar, like, tag matches. Once the women were building these stories that were going to be paid off at Wrestle Kingdom. And then this match happens, I thought it'll still be a solid match because it can't not be with the teams of all they were throwing everything, but nearly bloody half an hour. And then, but then they even pulled out a table at one point as well. And I think it was, uh, but I can't remember who went through the table, but like, you know, I'm glad the table fucking broke because, you know, those Japanese tables are very, very temperamental. It was Fletcher. It was that fucking brutal GTR from the middle rope. Oh. That gave me the fear of God when he was doing it. I was like, no, no, he's not going. Oh, oh no, he is. Oh, 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 oh no, that's death. Uh, and it wasn't even that weird, like tag team, like power bomb GTR kind of commonly used at the end. They hit that kind of a spin out, like net breaker power bomb move that they've done occasionally, which I don't associate as much as a finisher as I do like the assisted GTR. So and they, when that move, I'm sitting there, not even expecting anything to happen. It goes one two, three, and I just sit there with my mouth open, like, after a few things, I'm like, what? What? Because like, I watched the full show, well, most of the show live, and then the, the tag league ended, like, I had it, my computer one end, and then at the corner I had my tablet where I was watching the show, and was getting close to like, the Never Tail match, we'll get to that later. I finished for, I, I took a break, I went and had my lunch, watched those two matches, and then I got to the, uh, the, the World Tag League final and I had to do something else so I, I turned it off I'll come back later and avoid spoilers and thankfully I did because I was still invested in Aussie Open and when I watched this but I watched this I'm like, I'm like what? 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 I'm, I'm going to say about that that weird assisted GTR kind of finisher that, that Bishamon's got it is the most 50-50 move in all of tag team wrestling at the moment because when they hit it right it does look painful it looks fucking beautiful but if not it looks so fucking slow. It's like someone put it in slow motion and it looks like landing on a cloud. It looks soft as fuck. I mean, 
remember just sitting there with in like absolute like confusion at the end, just like seriously, all the evidence pointed to an Aussie open win. And then this happened out of nowhere. Like the only thing I can think of is like, oh, Bishamon lost the tie titles to O'Cannon Cobb. And then the belts kept getting switched around like Bullet Club, then Cab Cobb and O'Cannon, then FTR. So since then they've not been able to challenge properly and get their belts back. Which is fair enough if you want to tell that story. But you mentioned that during the Tag League final match and then maybe one other time. You're not really... If you built their Tag League around that story, then fair enough. But you didn't. So you just pulled this out of nowhere. It's like, oh, no, the other team won. Oh, these guys got to be considered one of the best teams in the world, says Kevin Kelly at the end. I'm like, yeah, but so was the Open. They're better than these two. Why the fuck didn't they win? Like, wh- Why are you doing this to me? Like, why are you giving me Bisham on BFTR when that's not what I wanted? Exactly. I didn't ask for this. What is this all about? Like, yeah, because like it just seemed like came in order. Like, no, all the all you had them confront them before the tournament, and they go in a hell of a run. You're like, like legit. You can't blame us for thinking that every other every sign you could possibly have was pointing to Aussie Open. That's it. Oh. It's like it's like what what. The, I honestly, I just cannot get my head around any of the booking decision around the around the final because Aussie Open it was built up the whole we've waited three years to get here because of the pandemic and that we weren't sure if we were ever going to get here. We were going to do this. We're going to do that. We've we've dominated the world waiting to get here, and then that I was like, no, no, Gero, you, you took the strong belts Took the strong belts off them and everything for this. Just so they could be here, like you put them on the machine guns. So fair enough, they also added the, t- the impact tag titles. But you know they're more an impact than they are in bloody new- in- on strong right now. You- so like, you could have just stuck the belts, kept the belts on Aussie Open, and you would have made a difference if you weren't going to have them, you know, win the tournament. Although saying that they are teasing a match between machine guns and Rapongi Vice for those strong tag team titles. Oh, that would be pretty decent. But could you have imagined if they got the motor set of machine guns in for this tournament as well? Oh, that would have been amazing. Or even brought Alex Shelley over. I know he and Sabre are doing a lot as a machine gun. But if Shelley could, could come over just because she does the time splitters again, would have been awesome. But I watched that back to April because I think they did recently have a title defence with the strong belts. I think it was against the Stray Dog Army. And then Rocky Romero basically challenged them. And Alex Shelley says to you know, I always wanted to go drinking with you guys, so why don't we say the winners buy the drinks when we fight for these bills? And you can expect us, you can expect the drinks to be on us. <laughs> You'd expect. But maybe. Mm. Maybe. Who knows? But yeah, and then Yoshihashi, the fucking tit. I could tell he was fucking up, and I don't even speak Japanese. But he's trying to get, he called Joe and, and uh, Leo Rush out, trying to get them to do some weird celebration and tribute to Inoki. They couldn't get the order of events right. And so Leo Rush and you and you just looking at them like with absolute confusion on their faces. And then they finally got it done. And I'm just like, ah, oh, just like, why am I even watching this? Like I was I should have rage turned this off as soon as they won the match. And when they started in the like the joint co- like the joint promotion, I, I was just like, Oh fuck off. These are just fucking rubbing chaos in my face now. I could get it if it was LIJ or something. I love LIJ, but I can't get behind an all chaos fucking victory at the end. Boo. Yes. Boo Earns. Yes, boo. yes, boo Earns. Like if you're doing two tournaments, 
and they're coinciding each other. You can't have baby faces win both. You need to have at least one heel team win. And even then, Aussie Open aren't even that much of a heel team because I like Aussie Open. But Grant, as long as we're venting, the uh, third from last match was a never open weight championship match between Hikaleo and Carl Anson, the match we we're all waiting for. And I, mean, and I know you, of all people, have some strong opinions about this. I didn't even pay for this match, but I want a fucking refund. <laughs> Never ever thought I'd ever hear myself say that in my life, but I want a refund for a match I didn't even pay for. That was the most phoned-in bullshit from that bald fraud, Carl Anderson. <laughs> so, just asking for a refund, the, the anger of this match brought out your inner can. That's it. Proper, I want to speak to the fucking manager. I want to speak to the manager. It was so lazy. It was 10 minutes that felt like it went on for 10 hours with like slow rest holds and that. And Hikuleo didn't even get to look good at the end of it. They'd, what did they do to my boy? What have you done to my boy? And Carl Anderson's given it this whole, I'm the greatest never openweight champion there ever was. No, no, Carl. It's fucking Ishii. That's the greatest openweight champion there ever was. Well, I did. I'd also make an argument for Shingo Takagi, but that's a conversation for another day. But, oh, yes. uh, Shingo as well. <laughs> yes. Shingo will kick, kick your ass, you bald twit. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, it just seemed like very slowly they did some brawling on the outside, so you can you can imagine that was all Carl Anderson decision. Uh, you got you kept getting thrown around you. You could just imagine that he was going to lose here the way they were making... Literally, like throw him about points. He had him throw him into Gado at one point, and like, you know he squashed Buddy Uger on the road to this. But then I think a report came out before this about Carl Anderson being at Wrestle Kingdom, so he kind of figured he might not lose this. And then yeah, just typical. Oh, guns done. Carl Anderson wins. But uh, like you said they could have done more to help Hikaleo and defeat than they did here. And what's interesting is that Super Jcast uh, tweet. First time to your comments about basically how lazy Carl Anderson seemed in this, and Carl Anderson liked it. I love that. I was like, I was like, no, what? fair play. It might be a big bold fraud, nah, but fucking fair play for that ultimate shit housery by liking a tweet where you are getting absolutely fucking slayed. Yeah, you may be a, a bold fraud, but you can be a self-aware bold fraud. Oh, this god, that was that was just next level fucking shit housery, and know what? Fair, fair play to the prick for it, but I was I was so angry at this match, and then and then even the post match, yeah, I'm going to come out and challenge you, gun stun. The f- oh yeah, I'll see you at the dome then. That's it's going to be more, it's like why the fuck would you gun stun your challenger and be like, oh yeah, I'll see you. I'd be like, bitch, you can't even yeah. fucking hit me here, and I've just been through a match. You pish. Next. Uh. So yeah, we're getting the Tamatonga rematch at the Tokyo which I thought of all the people who come out and challenge it, it probably would have been Tamatonga. I think given everything that's happened, you can make an argument that Tamatonga shouldn't have lost the bloody belt to begin with. Exactly. Never should have. No. But you know, we're getting all this stuff off our chest, Grant, and we should get another, we should talk about something not in an angry, but more sad way. Because after a win, thankfully, against the House of Bob Bags, uh, the team of Doki, Lance Archer, Kanemaru, and Doki, that was, that got the win in 8-man tie. Suzuki then gets on the microphone and makes a kind of out-of-nowhere announcement that at the end of 2022, 
Suzuki Goon would be going their separate ways, and it really shot down. There was no build to this. He was he was going through everybody and you know giving them all compliments, and you know yeah, I thought we thought he was I thought he was either he's offering the leadership to someone else like Zach or whatever, or I even thought like is Suzuki bloody retiring because he already got having a last match. We don't need more people having last matches. You know the murder ground pastor, and he's just not going to be with his uh, with his friends anymore. That's it. As as Tai Chi called it um, in his post match comments during a uh, Tai Chi Takamania that happened yesterday. At this point, recording the nineteenth, it will now be lonely gun. Tai Chi said it will be lonely gun on his own, and I was like, I'm going to fucking cry when they have their last match in the twenty third. I'm going to cry like a little bitch. Yeah, I like even though it's got no factoring on the main event on the. Uh, on the 23rd on the road to Tokyo Dome show, the final show of the year, that is going to be the main event of Doki, Kanemaru, Taichi and ZSJ taking on Art Trower, Suzuki, Desperado and Takamichi Noku. And it's 30 minutes. You know what? Fuck it. I can't see anybody in Suzuki beating each other. Let them go 30 minutes. Let them have a draw each other. They'd all shake hands and be friends. You know, as, 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 they, as they're played out with Leave the Memories Alone. <laughs> Honestly, if they, if they play like fucking Creed, my sacrifice or what that's it, I will fuck it. I will cry like a bitch. Oh, uh, I, it, it's sad, but you know, I, and I worry for some of the guys without Suzuki going like, what are, what what's Doki gonna do on his own? You can't leave him on his own. You'll will hit the wrong person with a pipe. He'll get himself hurt. I'm looking. I'm looking at the last match, and honestly, I I, I think it's going to be like ZSJ is going to like absolutely leather the living shit out of Taka, <laughs> or could, Suzuki's could, going to murder Doki. It's going to be one of those two. I could see a, 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 a I could see a scenario where either Zack or Taichi, you know, get the pin over Suzuki. It's kind of Suzuki's way of, you know, paying it paying it forward to you know one of the guys that he's and I had his group for so long. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Like you said, yes, it'll be a, it'll be a very sad day indeed. Yeah, it's nice. Christmas. No one should be crying this much at Christmas. At least that ZSJ could use the momentum going into mm. his Wrestle Kingdom match. So I wouldn't be surprised if it is ZSJ to get the win just for that final bit of momentum. And then like Suzuki being like, you better win that match at Wrestle Kingdom so I can go and fight you for it. <laughs> Talking about the Tai Chi Mania thing, by the way, a fun thing that was running through uh, the tournament was on the undercard, there was some combinations of Zagoon v uh, LIG for the most part, partly because of, you know, Desperado and Hiromu being in the uh, the four-way at Wrestle Kingdom. But also the challenge had been made to Shingo by, by Tai Chi. And so these two just kept get causing the matches then and encounters and no contests. Because everyone just kept fighting outside the ring and the matches kept getting called off. Which I didn't mind because it meant the matches didn't go very long. And, you know, as far, as quickly as I can get to the undercard on one of these shows, the better so I can get to the actual tournament matches. But it was just so fun just seeing the escalation. Even at one point, having the match ended, I count out. And Jingle gets back in the ring and immediately calls for the match to restart. And then it does. And they even put the graphic back up. Oh hell is it? It looks like it was absolute fucking chaos. Like I was like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> I think it, uh, then they had the match at uh, Taichi Mina in the main event, and I believe 
trying to remember what the bloody match was. Yeah, it was Sugo who won the voting. It was a Takagi style last man standing match with Lumberjacks, Texas Deathmatch style. Like, what the? F- like, it was just, I'm reading it off Rudy Japan's website and I article about the about the match and like Taiji's speech and just there's like so many words like I think when a YouTuber tries to put so many key words out in their title so that more people will see it it's like Takagi style last one Saturday deathmatch Mama Jack deathmatch it's like it's like how, how, how can we make this like t- stipulation name very very long mm-hmm. and like because Taiji even though he lost gave a speech at the end I saw a thumbnail of Tai Chi Mia with him speaking. I thought, fucking hell, did Tai Chi win? And then I realised, oh no, Shingo won. So, Shingo Takagi is officially the king of pro wrestling 2022. Even though, I think, compared to 2021 and 2020, where I think he's undoubtedly the king of pro wrestling in my eyes, he said, uh, he's not had a strong year in 2022, it's 2021 or 2020. I feel Shingo has been fucking diddled with the hard end of the stick in 2022, and I'm hoping he bounces back in 2023, because the man fucking carried the promotion throughout mm-hmm. most of t- most of the pandemic and he deserves more recognition for it absolutely i know he's not even got an actual confirmed spot for wrestle kingdom like there's a six bad tag of all the lig he's not even one of them that's in the match and you know jonah teased the match with shingo which i would have loved but then he says like what paul how much money are you paying me i don't care if i'm with the miz fuck it and then he showed up on raw the other night I know it's like it's like, yeah, Shingo, I'm coming for you. I've got a clean win over Okada. Oh, money. Carl Anderson done the same. Fuck it, I'm in. It's just like the, the smell of money wafted to him, like in a cartoon when there's a pie on the windowsill. Just like, oh, money, 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 money. <laughs> ah, so Jonas back, and Shingo doesn't really have a clear path for rest of kingdom. But uh, we'll mention the Risk Kingdom card. We are going to do a preview at some point. We'll more on that in a, in a little bit. But let me run through the card. They announced they had a press conference the day after the Tag League final. So they announced more like, undercard matches. But the ma- there was quite a few that we already knew about, given the results of recent tournaments. So the full card, the pre-show matches, says opening match. But then later on it says first match. So you can tell it says opening match. It's, it's on the pre-show. we got Roy Hay, Oiwa, Versus uh, Oleg, uh, a, a ten minute, uh, sorry, a three minute exhibition match. So you got the big German fella against one of the Japanese boys. And I don't think, even though I think it's going to go to a draw, I still think uh, Oleg's going to batter him. <laughs> then we got the uh, right to challenge Rambo for the KOBW twenty twenty three provisional trophy. Because <coughs> the rest of the is one night, I assume maybe they'll hold off till. Uh, New Year's Dash to have the, the match that actually decides the the uh the KOPW twenty twenty three provisional holder or maybe they'll even hold off to the Yokohama show. Who knows? Uh then we also got a, a Antonio Inoki Memorial match of Tiger Mask, Tatsumi Fujinami and Minoru Suzuki against Nagata, uh, Kojima and Makabe. And then the extra card we got obviously to be your tag league winners. Leo Rush and Yo versus Catch 2-2. Kari defending the uh, title against Tan Meccano. This is the actual order that's listed on the website, at least. We've got Bishamon VFTR for the World Tag Titles. The TV Title Tournament, 15-minute time limit. Uh, Ren Namita versus Axie Virginia. Never Title, Tamashonga, Carl Anderson. And an ultimate bit of shithousery here. It's not 
Great Mitter's final New Japan match. It's KJ Muto's final match. Same fucking person. Shota, Kyuji Muto and Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Bushi, Sanada and Naito. The four-way for the junior ti- junior heavyweight title, Taiji Ishimori versus Hiromu versus Bushi, versus, sorry, Master Wato versus Desperado. Double main event of Will Ospreay defending the title against Kenny Omega, the US title that is, and the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, Kazuchika Okada versus Jay White. Oof, what a big stack, meaty card that is. It is an incredibly stacked card beginning to end, although I do have my issues with it, but we will discuss that during the the bit, the proper preview show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely. It's going to uh, be a good one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I definitely have some things I was going to bring up about that I, that I thought about for some of these matches, but I thought I said as well, save it for the preview. And so we should mention some uh, things concerning East Meets West content going forward. Uh, two key things to note in that starting in 2023, uh, East Meets West will primarily be on the first Tuesday of every month. So kind of in that feature show spot, provided that there isn't any extenuating circumstances like there's a tournament coming out. I mean, you get a show out before the, a good few days before the tournament, in which case it might switch to a different day. But primarily going forward with the first show of 2023, which will be a Wrestle Kingdom preview show, which helps given the, that the very next day on the Wednesday is Wrestle Kingdom. So 24 hours before Wrestle Kingdom, <coughs> before Wrestle Kingdom, as I'm going to call it now, before Wrestle Kingdom X7, 24 hours before you're going to have a preview show with our good selves breaking down all the matches. Maybe not the Young Lions match. Couldn't give a fuck about that one. So yeah, first <laughs> Tuesday of every month starting this coming January 2023, you'll hear East Speaks West. Another key thing to note is you're hearing us now midweek. This is not the first, the only time this week you're going to hear us. So I'm hoping to actually get it out maybe for Christmas Eve because I think that'd be a great Christmas present to all of you. But it's happening. We're recording it. The Great Okan Christmas Special is happening, and that will be the final beat. That will be the final bit of East meets West and ESSR content you hear in 2022. We are so fucking good to y'all. All hail the great Oshaga. What's this show going to really involve? Fuck knows. We don't even know. But we said we were going to do it. We've told Stephen we're doing it. No one's told us not to do it. So what's happening? That's it. We decided after the success that was the Viscera special. We, we needed a, a new special this year. And we thought we'd step up to the plate. Yeah, people have been arguing about what who else to do Christmas specials about. We just said, we're going to do Great Okan. No one tells us we couldn't do it. So it's happening. <laughs> That's it. You could have stopped this. Everyone yeah. else that doesn't listen to this could have stopped it. It's their own fault. Yeah, this is you. This is your fault. You brought this onto the world. <laughs> oh, and there's I... nothing you can do about it. <laughs> oh, I'm so looking forward to this. And we hope you are as well. Ladies and gentlemen, you can follow East Meets West and Suplex Retreat and keep all everything going on with the show on all good Android podcasts and sites. <coughs> find the past uh, Viscera, find, the, find that Viscera special from a couple of years ago and find past episodes of East Meets West, find all the past feature shows, episodes of Central, Saturday Draft Live, all in our back catalog on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google, Pod, Google Podcasts, Podbean, uh, 
on all good Android podcasts and sites where you get your podcasts. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at so place you keep up with uh, what we're doing. Follow us on TikTok, we're getting some great content out on there. The page is going very quick and we're really happy to see that. We hope you guys will continue to engage with us over there. And engage with us on the Suplex we engage with us on the Suplex Retreat community page on Facebook. Join in the Listener League for our fantasy draft, get involved in the conversation. But do note, if you join the Listeners League, you will be signing up for us lagging on a weekly basis on Saturday Draft Live. <laughs> Those are the rules. And Grant, but another smashing year of uh, content. Uh, free Speaks Festival, great stuff for New Japan. And I look forward to running out the year with our upcoming Christmas special. All hail the Great Okan Christmas special. What a, what a way to end the year. It has been fucking class. <laughs> wow, what a time to be alive. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>